bang your head and circle that damn pit. We have a headbanger in the house. Coming up, I interviewed one half of the infamous WWF tag team, the Headbangers, Glenn Ruth. You know him as Thrasher. So raise your horns and your volume for this one. Yo. Hey, can you hear me? I can hear you perfectly. How are you? All right. I... Again, I have two bars, and I'm in my house with my Wi-Fi on. All right. Yo, same here. Uh, so, hey, everyone. Uh, welcome to the Wrestling Whatever podcast. We have a very, very special guest, uh, particularly one of my favorites from you know back then when I was a kid. Uh, he is from – he was born in Camden, New Jersey. Uh, he is Headbanger Thrasher. Hey, man. What's up? How are you? Oh, I'm doing you, good. You know what's so funny is all the podcasts I ever do, everybody always starts off like that. I don't remember anybody me being anybody's favorite. <laughs> I'll tell you what, man. I, I'll <laughs> never forget when I saw you guys for the first time. It might not have been when you guys started, but I remember seeing you for the very first time. And I was like, I'm a, I've, my parents, I grew up as a big like metal, you know, heavy rock fan. So, and headbanging has always been a thing. I always Absolutely. try to go to concerts as much as possible. Well, not this year, um, but uh, <laughs> I've been. I've always tried to go to you know Slayer concerts or you know any any metal concert you can think of that comes around our area, or even in, if we travel to Camden or if we travel to Philly. Yeah, you know, we always try to go to one. So something about the headbangers always resonated with me because I absolutely love metal. So it, it was funny too. Cause when uh, Jim Cornette approached us with the, with the idea and the gimmick and everything else. And we were like, he's like, you guys need to be something that you guys already are. He goes, they're the best gimmicks. He goes, you guys have tattoos. You have the piercings. You guys listen to that crap as he liked to call it. <laughs> and, and, uh, he goes, and the other night I was at this dancing concert. If you can imagine Jim Cornette at a, at a, at a dancing concert. Um, and he said that, you know, he goes, that's you guys. He goes, they were mosh pit and they were spitting on each other and everything else. So we were like, hey, you know, let's give it a try and everything else. And back then, that's when everybody was was into the golf and, and, and the real heavy metal. Manson was real big back then. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he was just starting to come out and. You know, parents were like, hey, you can't go watch that. And what does every kid do? They go do what the opposite of their parents. So <laughs> it kind of, we kind everything kind of fell right in line with everything else. And, you know, you know, real men wear skirts. And then the other catchphrase was, you know, there's no right way. There's no wrong way. Only the headbanger way. So if you're not hurting anybody who gives a shit. Okay. Oh, say <laughs> shit. Uh, say whatever you want. We don't give a fuck. Oh. Uh, Oh, good. Okay, there you go. The first F bomb. But yeah, man. I mean, that's what I think about my parents. I mean, they, you know, they said, "Go ahead, listen to that stuff. It's great." <laughs> so, uh, which is also, you know, which is also great. But um, yeah, man, this uh, podcast that we're uh, doing here today—it's really just us, you know, shooting the shit. And you know, I'm very grateful that you're able to take time out to uh, talk to us here and go over a bunch of stuff and just. Yeah, you know, maybe relive your past a little bit here and 
about <laughs> It, it's been, uh, you know, quite an event trying to get to this point, as we both know. <laughs> so, hey, man, as long as it happens, I'm two very, weeks in the making. <laughs> I appreciate not your patience with me. So, uh, um, so for, I'm going to ask you probably the question that you've been asked on multiple, multiple, multiple interviews. Uh, so here it is. Do you have a Prince Albert piercing? No, I'm kidding. I, I do not. <laughs> but no, I don't. No, Never uh, did. <laughs> Gold Dust does. I mean, Dustin did. Yes. Really? Yes. Wow. I would have never guessed that, to be honest with you. No. Back, um, in, back in his crazier days, you know, he, uh, you know, that's him and Marlena went but out, or um, holy shit. Terry, they both went out and, and uh, got piercings that day. A long, long time ago. Seems like a lifetime ago. I'm, I'm sure he doesn't have it now. <laughs> or maybe he does. Maybe he likes it. Uh, who knows? Who knows? <laughs> I love Dustin. He, he always seemed like – I never met Dustin, like, going to different shows and whatnot. He was one of the guys I never got to meet. But uh, I'll tell you what. I, I met a couple guys out at – you know, I think I went to WrestleMania a couple of years ago uh, in Orlando. And I met a couple of guys. And I'll tell you what. Stan Hansen was absolutely the coolest dude ever. Absolutely. It's so funny because I go way back with Stan. I was actually, when I first started training at, at Larry Sharp in the Monster Factory, um, I was training for about six months. And then Dory Funk was the head booker for um, Giant Baba, his uh, Japanese wrestling over there. And uh, the Nasty Boys just got removed from a tour because they started with Vince. So Dory was friends with Larry Sharp, who was the trainer at the time and the owner of the Monster Factory at, at that time, um, called him up and said, hey, I need a tag team. I need it fast. They need to leave in, you know, a month, blah, blah, blah. Send me two pictures of guys. So Larry just threw me and another guy together and took pictures and I went over there. So long story short, the guy I went with got hurt like in the first week we were there. So hmm. by the end of the tour, I was in a tag team with Stan Hansen and Danny Spivey against Kamala, the original Kamala, Abdullah the Butcher, and Giant Baba. Holy it, shit. It, now, now I'm, I'm greener than, than snot out of a, a baby's nose. And <laughs> it's, it was just such an awe. And it was so funny that you mentioned that WrestleMania because I saw him probably at the WrestleMania in Jersey. He, oh, okay. We did a convention together, and uh, I went up to him. I was like, Stan. He's like, oh, my God. He remembered me, and I'm talking about, like, 1993 when oh, this God. happened. I said, do you remember me? He's like, oh, my God, yes, I do. And then we started talking. He goes, do you remember? Because we used to all go out at night, and he, you know, I didn't know where I was going or anything else, so I we get on this train to go down to – uh, Rapungi, it's like downtown and stuff like that. And coming back, you know, we're all drunk and, and lit and stuff like that. And it was just, it was crazy. So they go and jump off. They push me back onto the train. And I get lost in Japan. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, it was, it was funny. I, it was uh, something else. But needless to say that my uh, wrestling career was jump-started from, from, you know, that experience would be an understatement. I got to, a chance to meet a lot of people through 
Larry Sharp in the Monster Factory. He used to have, you know, like Jim Cornette and um, Jerry King Lawler come up, you know, once a month and do shows. And, and, you know, he was really good friends with them. So that's how I actually knew Lawler and got into a, um, got into being down there, um, you know, eventually with Chaz. Yeah, who ended up being, you know, eventually your tag team partner. Right. Well, it was funny how that happened. He, uh, he, I was the head trainer for Larry at the Monster Shark, at the Monster Factory. <laughs> Monster Shark? He is Monster a Factory. And uh, he was, he came down to the school. We knew of each other from high school wrestling, but we didn't know each other. Um, we both wrestled different weight classes and stuff like that, but it was, you know, it was almost like a sister school for, for my school. Um, so we kind of knew of each other, didn't really know each other. And then, you know, as soon as he came down to the school, did his tryout, we just hit it off right then and there. And Chaz was training for three weeks and I took him up to WWF at the time to do an enhancement work. Because I, w- I was always taught in wrestling, and this is the God's honest truth, and this is what's lacking in wrestling today. It's, it's harder to make... Girl, shut up! I'm doing an interview! Okay. <laughs> Fucking kids. <laughs> um, but yeah, they, uh, three weeks after he started training, I took him up to do enhancement. And I was always taught in wrestling that it's a lot easier or harder to make it look believable getting your ass kicked than kicking somebody's ass. So the art of selling is what Larry was very big on. And, you know, I have to agree with you. Just, you know, as a avid fan, you know, observing it today, it, you're right. It really does. There's a lot of people that lack selling. And I'm trying to think of one right now who's a really good seller. And I, it's got to be the 205 division. They they really no, I'll, I'll tell you who, who right now in my eyes is, is Dolph. Oh, Dolph, God, it, yeah. he's just hands down, you know, he reminds me of a, a, an old school Ric Flair or, you know, uh, from my era, Billy Gunn or Shawn Michaels or, or anything else. I still tease Billy to this day. I'm telling him that Dolph is his son, you know, his <laughs> real son. Because um, tell me they don't look alike. Right, <laughs> and he pretty much uses the same move, the famouser. So yeah, it's uh, but, um, yeah, wow. So th- that's how that all started with me and Chaz. I mean, we and we've been together ever since. Um, you know, Larry always told me it was a lot harder to get booked as a tag team. He never wanted to see me as a tag team. Um, you know, he came up with my first wrestling name. He called me uh, my first when I originally started. I was called the head or uh, the headbanger, uh, the spider. Mm-hmm. And he said, because when he first started, he wrestled with a guy named the Spider. Now, this is going to be a little bit of wrestling trivia for you. Do you know who that was? If you know who it was, don't say the name. Uh, okay, sorry. so you don't know who it was. I, I so this, so I, I'm going to give you hints. So Larry wrestled with this guy. He wrestled uh, part-time because he played pro baseball for the the. Uh, the the Reds, the the Cincinnati Reds. He was a catcher. Oh Ooh, yeah, that's right. It was Randy Savage, Macho really? Man. Oh yeah. shit! So 
Yeah, I know. It's so funny because my wife is laughing at me because I did, did the fingers and everything else. She's like, "Really? You're on the phone? Nobody can see you, <laughs> asshole." Um, so yeah, so so Randy used to wrestle when he first started as the Spider, and he would wear a mask, and he did it during the off season of baseball. Huh? Yeah, That's a little trivia. Just you can look that up. But Larry said, Larry said that we had the same, you know, body type and, and everything else. And I always said, if, hell, if I ended up halfway like Randy Savage, I, I'd be happy. Um, so, yeah. So it's th- crazy. that's how I originally got my name. That's crazy because, you know, I just watched probably about a month ago his uh, – he had a, like a documentary that they had out and I was watching it. And I remember them saying that he used to play baseball and then yep. wrestle – and you know what? I never that never really clicked in my head that that was his yep. name because we looked past yep. it, I guess. But wow, it, it was funny too because uh, you know I become friends with with Lanny and stuff like that after the after everything and and stuff like that. And um, you know I was talking to Lanny about it, and he knew Larry really good. And I told him about the story. He's like, "Yep." He he actually, you know, said, "Yeah, Randy used to wrestle as a spider under a mask." Back in back when he very very first started, and his dad was a a big big time wrestler too back in the day. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh wow, there yeah. you go, some good trivia here. So I bet you a lot of people are going to be saying, "Ah, I didn't know that shit." <laughs> yeah. So going forward here a little bit further, sir, I have a, a a lot of questions actually to ask you, and it's not necessarily wrestling questions, so. You 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 eventually you got into the uh, WWF and you had one of your you know your debut matches against uh, Marty Jannetty um, and whatnot and as you said you debuted in wrestling as a spider before right. wrestling happened what did you do before wrestling did you do any sports <laughs> or anything I, I I played football from the time I was like six or seven years old and I played all the way through high school I had collar scholarships. Um, and, and things like that. I was never really big in academics, which, you know, uh, is, is something for you kids to, to be more aware of. You should be very aware of your academics and, and stay in school. Um, <laughs> cause you know, it, I couldn't let a different path. So I was never, ever a wrestling fan. I wrestled in high school for four years. The last four years of, of high school, I wrestled. So, and I never really was a pro wrestling fan. I never, you know, was big on TV with it or anything else. Because we're talking like the, the mid to late 80s. Um, you know, every now and then, I mean, you're from, are you from South Philly or are you from more farther out in Pennsylvania? I'm more farther out. I'm like Northeastern Pennsylvania. Okay, let's, let's see if you know. At once a month, they used to have wrestling from the Spectrum. And it used to be on Prism TV. And it was an old cable network called Prism. It was like before HBO and everything else, it was called Prism. And they used to wrestle once a month from the Philadelphia Spectrum. And it was called Spectrum Wrestling. And it would air on Prism TV every single month. Um, So, you know, I didn't have that network because, of course, I wasn't, you know, well off enough. I had a, you know, raised by a single mother and stuff like that and working two jobs just to keep, you know, us in the house and 
So we didn't have that kind of luxury. So I used to go over to my aunt's house, um, you know, every now and then and I would watch it every once a month and stuff like that. And so it was always interesting. It was always like, oh, look at these big guys. And mind you, when I was in high school, I was wrestling. I played football at 200 pounds. So I wrestled at 170. So I was dropping 30 pounds in three weeks um, between football season and wrestling season. So I never really saw myself doing anything like that. But I, when I graduated high school, all the graduating athletes, I guess, in the South Jersey area used to get a, a free tryout. Uh, it's almost like a, a postcard from the Monster Factory. That's how Larry recruited some of his talent. Um, so I had this for, God, years probably a good year, year and a half before I actually ever did anything. I actually went to uh, school in, in Center City, uh, Philadelphia for computer operations. So I have a, uh, a computer operations degree for like the big mainframes and stuff like that. I eventually got a job running like payroll checks at a, at a it was called ABC, uh, payroll company. And, um, so I was doing that like seven o'clock in the morning or I'm sorry, nine o'clock at night, the seven o'clock in the morning, oh, four nice days shit. a week. But I, I mean, I was, you know, 19 years old. It sucked ass. So, and I missed, and it was so weird. I did that for probably about a year. So um, I missed the fact of that physical, I guess, connection and the, the hitting people and, and it sounds really weird, but it was something that, that it was missing that, that I felt like I needed. So I still had this postcard. I don't know why I kept it because I was never, I think I kept it because he had a big giant logo on the front of it, of this guy with, I don't know, yellow or green head squashing a, a bird. And uh, <laughs> it just, it was cool looking. So I, I kept it and it was on my dresser and I picked it up one day. And it said free tryout, come on down. So I would pick up the phone and I would call him to find out, you know, times and, and stuff like that. And he would always answer the phone, Monster Factory, get monsterized. And he would scream at <laughs> and go, how, how can I help you? And every single time he did that, I must have hung up on him three or four times because it would scare the living shit out of me. I was like, oh my God, no, I didn't hang up. I'll try again next week um, <laughs> when my balls actually drop. Um, <laughs> so it took me a little bit to get down there. So I think it was finally like, like, I want to say June, like 15th or something like that. Um, of 1990, I want to say, uh, that I actually went down there. I walked into this school. Uh, now mind you, you could stand in the ring and touch the ceiling. Oh, um, so it was very, very small. But I walk in through this door and there's all these lights and cameras and microphones and these reporters there. And I'm going, holy shit, this is fucking awesome. <laughs> and uh, so here I find out they're doing a, it's Australian TV doing a special on the school. The Pitbulls were in there. Um, Scotty Flamingo, who you guys will know as Raven, um, okay. was in there. Um, Tony Stetson, who is real big in, in uh, the Philadelphia area. Um, you know, guys like that were in there and stuff like that. So there was about 
I want to say eight or nine of us that, that came down for the tryout that day. So the tryout consisted of they teach you how to fall. So it's a very alarming thing to learn how to fall without putting your hands down. I mean, all your life, you know, from the time that you start walking, the first thing that you do when you start falling is you put your hands down. You fall backwards, you put your hands down, you try to catch yourself. It's the total opposite in wrestling. You don't want to do that because <laughs> you'll break your arms. Um, right. And you want to make sure that you tuck your chin and stuff like that because then you'll bang your head and knock yourself out or give yourself a concussion. Um, and then there's a right and wrong way of running the ropes. So they go through all the tryouts. They, you, know, you take a, a tackle bump, you take a handstand into a bump, and then you do a front flip into a bump. Now, mind you, I'm 170 pounds and I'm doing all this stuff and everything else. And I did it. It was fun. It was great. I loved it. So we're all sitting outside Larry's office and he's calling everybody in one at a time. The guy goes in, he comes back out. He goes, he told me no. He told me I didn't have what it takes. He goes, so, and the, and the kid didn't. He, he was very un, unathletic and stuff like that. So then another guy goes in. He goes, I got money in hand. I'm ready to start today. He came out. He goes, he turned me down. He told me no. I said, wait, hold on. I said, you tried to give him $3,000 and he turned you down and said no. He's like, yeah. I went, all right. So shit, what am I going to do? So I walked in there. I said, well, wait, before you say anything, I said, now all these other guys were so much bigger than I was. Again, 170 pounds, six foot four. So I was a string bean. So I go in there and I go, listen. You know, I really, you know, think I can do this. You know, just give me, you know, a couple months to put on some weight and everything else. And he goes, kid, it's a lot easier teaching how to do all these flips and shit like that at 120, uh, at 100 pounds than it is at 220. And it was the thing that made the most sense to me. I was like, listen, well, I don't have $3,000. He goes, give me 1500 and a and $100 a week and we're good. Wow. So that's exactly what happened. And then six months from that day, so that was in June. So in, I think it was December that I actually went over to Japan and I was making 10 grand a month. Wow. It was, yeah. How was so that experience like in Japan? It, it was, it was crazy. Shut up, dog. It was crazy. It was, it was like something that I never knew. I mean, you know, for the first six months of me being in the ring and you hear all the stories from the old timers, you know, Johnny Rods used to come down to the school, you know, all the guys used to come down to the school and Larry always told you when you first started, the best thing you can do is shut the fuck up and open your ears. Don't say a word when you're in the locker room and just listen because you'll learn more from the veterans and everybody that way than you will by open in the mouth and you'll look like an idiot as soon as you open your mouth. So, you know, I'm listening to all these guys are talking about ring rats and I'm going, Oh my God, ring rat. What the fuck is that? That's crazy. What the rats? I hate rats. I hate mice. I hate things like that. So, and I'm hearing all these stories about the ring rats. And then of course I find out they're talking about women. <laughs> and, oh, <boy. laughs> and, um, you know, that's what we called them back in the old days, son. Um, <laughs> so, and I'm hearing all these stories and they sound so outrageous that there's no way that these people come to the hotels that they wait outside and, you know, they're just waiting down in the lobby so they can just hang out with wrestlers and sleep with them and this, that, and the third and everything else. And, oh my God, 
So next question. <laughs> <laughs> but it, so, it was so weird though when when I actually finally did make it. You would see these girls, and you could pick them out of a lineup. It was so obvious of who they were, and they would they would come to the hotels. They would bring you presents and gifts, and you know just. Uh, anything that they could do just to hang out with you and you know for other i guess benefits too they were hoping to hook up and and stuff like that but the smarter guys would just you know hang out with them in the bar take their gifts you know i think one time we got a um uh a playstation and i think chaz got a football jersey one time i, I mean it was it, like crazy. It's just it was weird. It was I was starstruck. Um, yeah, I was gonna say that sounds a little weird. It is. It was, and it was so funny because I never, and still to this day, I never consider myself as a celebrity or a star or you know uh, anything like that. I you know I grew up in in Lindemall, New Jersey. My first house was bought in Lindemall, New Jersey. Um, you know, I lived there when I was in the WWEF at the time. Um, you know, I, I did move out and I moved a couple towns away. But I always, I never, you know, thought I was, I still went out to the malls. I still did all this stuff. I was, I'm no different than anybody else. I just had a different job. It was just weird. Um, funny story with that is my oldest daughter, who just turned 27 uh, oh, last wow. Sunday. Uh, she went to kindergarten and she had show and tell. This is the funniest little kid story I had. And all she wanted to do was take my action figure because she was so, she didn't know any better. She was actually with me when me and Chaz won the tag belts at the pay-per-view and everything else. So she says to me, I want to take the action figure for show and tell. So of course I let her and everything else. And she comes home. I, I actually picked her up from school and she gets in the car and she's all like, like, like sad and like frumpy and, and everything else. I'm like, Paige, what's the matter? She's like, I said, does everybody like your show and tell? And she's like, no. I said, why? She goes, cause nobody else's daddy has an action figure. I'm like, <laughs> well, well, sweetheart, daddy has a little bit of a weird job. <laughs> and she could never understand. Like when we were out, like at the malls and stuff like that, why people would come up and try to take a picture. And she was like, no, it's daddy. It's my time. It's my time. <laughs> it's my dad. So, so, yeah. So, I mean, they grew up with it. I mean, my, my second daughter, yes, I have four daughters. My second daughter used to come into the back and she would see Steve Austin and she would, you know, from the backside, she would run over to him and put, wrap herself totally around his legs and Steve would turn around and go on Glenn can you get your kid off my legs she thinks I'm you because from the back <laughs> I guess me and Steve looked the same I mean we were bald um right. <laughs> so yeah so it's funny um but yeah it was it was a, a definitely a, a totally different way of life everybody always asks me like what the attitude error was like and I always tell them to me to me, to me and Chaz, we all knew where our place was. You know, we knew we were mid-card, opening matches, stuff like that, to get everybody warmed up for Steve, Sean, Rocky, you know, Undertaker, all, you know, Triple H. That's who we were there to get everybody ready for. Everybody knew 
where at least we did. I knew where our place was. You know, and that's this just how it was. Vince, you know, I don't think we'll ever have a main event at any WrestleMania be a tag team match. I don't know if he's ever had that. That would be a good thing to look into. Um, well, I think the first WrestleMania, it was uh, Mr. T and Hogan. Oh, yeah. well, a celebrity tag match. Right. I mean, you know, stuff like that. So he was never, I don't know if he was ever really a big tag team kind of guy. But I always felt like the attitude there, it felt very family, you know, oriented. You know, when my kids used to come, my oldest too, and they'd go into, you know, and hang out at TV. So they would go into like the lunchroom and, you know, Owen would be in there and he would color with them. And, you know, China would be out in the, in the auditorium, you know, playing hide and seek with them. You know, it's just like all the guys, you know, Brett would bring his kids. Everybody would play with them and, you know, stuff like that. It was just, to me, it felt very, it felt like a, yes, a very big, big family. I enjoyed it. I don't have any, you know, I, do I have regrets? We all have regrets. I wish, you know, certain things didn't happen the way it was. I never saw myself, you know, ever leaving, especially, you know, within five years, um, which we, we just hit five years. I guess we were there. But, you know, I don't regret it. I think that, you know, we achieved much more than, than some people will ever do when they're up there. Now, I know when you guys were, you know, red hot as a tag team, and you guys are going against the oddities. You guys were able to have, I don't want to say necessarily a full-blown match, but you had a stint with the uh, Insane Clown Posse. How <laughs> That's, here's the funny thing with that is, is... When they first came in, they were were slated to be with us. They were going to be our heel turn, um, which Vince tried so hard to make us heels, and it never worked because it, we were too – it was believable. Just like you could never make Stone Cold a heel because he said and did everything everybody wanted to do. We, our gimmick was, you know, we were going out having a good time and doing things as long as it didn't hurt anybody who gave a shit. That's how people want to live their life. So when they came in, that's what they wanted to do. They wanted to be with us. So that's what it was slated. So it was supposed to be the insane clown posse with the oddities, and then they were going to turn on them. But they came in, and according to Vince and and everything else, they were very – I mean, they're they're two guys that are so creative, and so they – you know, just their, their creative juices are very good. So they were very upfront with what they wanted to do. They didn't, they didn't believe in the storyline taking so long. They wanted it to happen right then and there. So that's when the the match happened between us. It seems like that's how wrestling is nowadays too. It's like the storyline doesn't build up anymore. It just happens. Yeah. Well, and see, and, you know, back then, that's what it did. It was going to take two or three months of the buildup and the drama and, and the, you know, so people could get invested in, in the angle and in the, 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 the whole story and stuff like that. So right. um, that's when Vince was just like, hey, you know, you guys are going to have a match with them. You know, beat the holy shit out of them. Whatever you yeah. want to do, just do it. So chair sure. That's the, yeah, the chair shot that, that, uh, <laughs> I guess was heard, heard everywhere. 
I remember seeing that too. I remember. I was and, like, oh and, my God. Here's, and here's the funny thing is, is right after that, that's when they, they left and they were gone. And years later, I'm talking about recently up to maybe 10 years ago, they can't, cause they have their own wrestling company. Um, mm-hmm. Insane Clown or uh, insane, insane Wrestling, something or like Juggalo that. Wrestling or something like yeah, that. Yeah, JCW. Okay. Juggalo Championship Wrestling, JCW. So they mm-hmm. have that, that wrestling. They contacted us to come out for the gathering of Juggalos. So we're like, oh, shit, here, here's our receipt. That's exactly <laughs> what we thought. You know, we were going to get our receipt. And we were going. We were just going because, you know. We knew that, I mean, that's how the business was. But boy, when we saw them, they, they thanked us so much about that one time. They said that they never learned so much in one match than that one. And it was really, it was, it was, you know, we went out there for probably about a year and did stuff with them. You know, it's crazy, man, is that they, they get a lot of shit. Like a lot, a lot of people, like not, pick at their like their whole thing but they get a lot of shit about just you know their whole juggalo community and whatnot and i was actually just watching an interview that they had just about the music business and whatnot and they seem like two really stand-up noble guys it's funny too because i guess with going out and doing the juggalo championship wrestling we had time to actually really get to know them and they are they're just really good they're humble they're very down to earth and they're really good guys. And, you know, they're just, you know, living their life, living the, their best life that, you know, they want to do and they're going to do it. You know, you, you want to call, you know, those juggalos and stuff like that, a gang. And, and it's ridiculous, you know, how some of the stuff that they have to go through. So, I mean, if they're calling them a gang and, you know, we have, there's a bunch of headbangers that go to metal shows, I guess right. you guys would be the head of them, right? <laughs> I guess. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. So, going back into the uh, the, the timeline of, of your career here, I know that you and uh, uh, Mosh, also known as Chaz, as you mentioned, he, uh, you guys were doing really well. You won your first tag team belts at, uh, I believe it was, what, WrestleMania 2000? Oh, no, I'm sorry. Um, you won your first tag team titles. Was it what, what? What WrestleMania was that? No, it was in your house. Oh, in your house. Okay, yeah, it was an in your house. But Ground we were, Zero. Yes, we were at WrestleMania 13. We were still um, when we originally signed with WWF at the time. We were signed on as part time TV people, and that was it. So, okay. so Vince wanted to leave the whole enhancement. Uh, matches behind him. He wanted to have two stars that he built up, one more than other, one more than the other, to to make the matches more competitive. Um, you know, why did you like Pepsi? Because you don't like Coke. You have to have competition to draw interest. So, right. um, you know, why did you like WCW? Because you didn't like what Vince was doing. Why do you like WWF? Because you didn't like WCW. So, right. you know, that's a, he wanted more competitive matches on TV and everything else. So when Smoky Mountain closed down, Cornette set up the majority of his guys for tryouts. You know, some guys got hired as T.L. Hopper, Freddie Joe Floyd, um, you know, the goon. It was some of the guys that got hired, you know, the goon. 
Tracy Smothers uh, was Freddie Joe Floyd. Um, T.L. Hopper was um, uh, um, God, his name escapes my mind. I, uh, but anyway, so we were part of the ones that were were tagged as the part-time we had part-time contracts. So after WrestleMania 13, that's when everything really started picking up for us and everything else. So the, the you know, we heard figures were coming and t-shirts and, and all this stuff that wasn't written in our part-time agreement. So that's what we tried to do was roll that into the part-time agreement. And lo and behold, that's when we, we signed our first full-time three-year deal. Now, you worked with uh, Jim Cornette, as you mentioned. How was it working with him? Jimmy was great. I mean, you know, I tell everybody, you know, whether you love or hate him or anything else, if you don't want an answer to your question, don't fucking ask Jimmy because he's going to tell you whether you <laughs> whether you like the answer, whether it's a popular answer or not. You know, uh, Jimmy's very, you know, set with with how he likes things. Um, he's very protective of, of the business that he's grown and and loved and he's been in it forever i mean you have to respect the man for what he's done and everything else and working with him down in smoky mountain was great um after we were done with with jerry lawler in the uswa we i contacted you know jimmy and said hey we're finishing up here we would love to come over and work over there so of course i knew jimmy before this from Larry and everything else. And that's how we got set up with that. And that's how he, he didn't like the masks. So a funny story. So he didn't like, we wrestled in the USWA as the spiders. So he -hmm. goes, I love you guys. I love what you guys do and everything else. He goes, I just don't like the hoods. So then he came up with the headbanger gimmick. Years and years later, he's the booker for ROH ring of honor and brings us in under hoods. uh, as the guardians of the truth we were like jimmy what the fuck you said you never liked the hoods (laughs) so (laughs) it was it was kind of a funny full circle with 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 jimmy and as soon as jimmy left ring of honor so did we (laughs) so we were uh yeah we were there because of jimmy absolutely 100 percent um you know we were able to lose the masks i guess in ring of honor it was it was when i was coming back um because after I left the, the WWF at the time, um, you know, I left it all together. I was gone for probably out of wrestling 10 years before I even, you know, stepped foot in the ring. I blew up to 315 pounds. Wow. Yeah. And uh, I came down to Florida for a vacation. Um, I, Chaz had a 40th birthday party that, that we had. He goes, dude, you should just move down here. Now, at the time, I was a, a supervisor for Domino's Pizza um, at the time, and it was a really, it was a good job. You know, we I had two, two more daughters, a wife, nine dogs, nine dogs that are Dobermans, because um, two, oh. two of them just had puppies. <laughs> wow. So, my wife loves those. Yeah, I've, I've had Dobermans my whole life, man. They're great dogs. And uh, yeah, Edith had puppies. I had the father's name was Archie, and the the, the girl's name was Edith. I was a big Archie <laughs> and the Bunkers fan. <laughs> All the family. All huh? the family. That's it. 
So, um, so I just said, you know, he goes, why don't you just move down to Florida and, you know, we can start getting back in the ring. You know, there's a gym down here you can go to blah, blah, blah. Long story short, that was in May by father's day. We were in a car with everything, no place to live, no jobs, no nothing. And we just moved and, uh, came down here, um, I had a hamster die in my car. <laughs> had to get rid of the car because it smelled so bad. <laughs> um, but yeah, but I ended up, it was so weird because I went to this gym. It was called You Fit Health Clubs. I went there. I lost, you know, at that time, it was my highest weight loss was 100 pounds. Um, I was down to like the 215. And I, I looked like I was terminally ill. Because um, when I lost a lot of weight, my head looked really big. So I was like, Jesus Christ, I got to put on some weight. So I'm, you know, fluctuating right around 240-ish to, you know, 245-ish. And uh, it's the same weight I was when we were in the WWE. Um, so then I just got a job at, at that gym. So I became a GM there, uh, recently left there. Um, so, yeah. Well, you're... You're working right now. I think you you had mentioned that you're working with uh, not the YMCA. I'm trying to think of the the place, but you're working as a what uh, a manager. Yeah, I'm a general manager for Papa John's Pizza. Okay. Yeah. Well, I well I left UFIT Health Clubs to jump over oh, back. Yeah, to jump back over into pizza because they offered me a whole hell of a lot more money. Oh, absolutely. Go where the money is. That's it. I mean, you gotta, you gotta keep a roof over your head. This store does. The store that I'm in, that that I'm the general manager for, does almost two million dollars a year. So Holy it's shit. it's a busy store. So that means very high bonuses. And uh, yeah, man, it's it's great. It's uh, congrats. I, I'll, I'll put my paycheck up against anybody's <laughs> if they want to <laughs> compare. <laughs> well, congrats on that job. I mean just hard work over you know over the years i mean you get where you need to go so well that's awesome um there's another thing i looked into and i saw that you were you had a gimmick at one point where you were dressed up as a nun is that true it was it it was so funny because um vince is is very very insistent on making his own characters developing his own ideas so when we came in as the headbangers we were already the headbangers before that you know he loved the gimmick shane loved the gimmick everybody loved the gimmick because shane is a huge Marilyn manson fan he actually has his his uh autobiography in shane's office that you know the last last time i was up there 20 years ago shane had the book in his office um Damn. so yeah so who, who would have thought that so Vince, Vince came up to us. He goes, I don't know if you guys ever remember. This might be before your time. He goes, do you remember Sally Fields? And I'm like, <laughs> uh, I knew where he was going. He goes, she used to be in a show called The Flying Nun. I think that's what it was called. And oh she wore God. a big giant hat and she would fly. She would physically fly around and she was a nun. And he was like, I want to put you guys and I want to call you guys the Flying Nuns, the Sisters of Love, whatever it was. Brother Love is going to be your manager. And I oh. want people 
to <laughs> totally, totally hate you. And what I'm eventually going to do is tie the headbangers in with the nuns and go, these guys are so crazy, they don't care what they wear. They just want to fight. That was all well and good until the Christians got a hold of that gimmick and just sent him a shit ton of, of hate mail and oh my God and everything else. <laughs> we we even went as far as we did vignettes up by the, the, the big church up in New York City. So imagine this, there's a limousine out front. We get out of the car and we go up to the to the doors of the church. And we're bowing our heads and everything else. And we're acting like we're saying a prayer and everything else. And then that was the vignette. That was it. And it was supposed to be from our feet going all the way up until you saw our face. But wouldn't you know it, the church let out. <laughs> so this oh, man. little old lady sees these two nuns, sees these two nuns sitting outside, comes over to them, starts praying with us and everything else. And then she looks <laughs> looks us up and then she sees like my beard and my nose ring and she looks over at Chaz and sees his his uh beard. She starts beating us with her purse and this is in the oh limo just God. going, get in the car <laughs> <laughs> So then they Holy shit. We did another one where we got arrested in uh the Disney store in New York City. Um which we went in and totally like destroyed the store. We like threw things around and everything else. And they were really, really coming after us to arrest us for vandalism of the store. Um, hello. I'm still here. Oh, okay. Um, you were very quiet. <laughs> I'm observing. I was like, holy shit. I put the guy to sleep. What the fuck? <laughs> no way. I'm like, I'm, visualizing so, all this so yeah so um you know that was the last thing that that anybody saw was the the flying nuns getting uh, uh handcuffed and arrested so we did a couple thing we did a couple matches against the godwins on shotgun saturday night which we were told that that show was designed um with us in mind because it was always at a bar it was always at at a, at a you know a club and stuff like that. That's what Shotgun Saturday Night was designed for. It went into all the, well, not all the, it went into some of the um, New York clubs and they just popped a ring up. It was 12 by 12 and they popped a ring up and we did matches. Wow. Yeah, I remember seeing a bunch of shit on that yeah. too. Um, Shotgun Saturday Night always was at bars and it was not the most pleasant place to work at. It, it wasn't, but it was so much fun. We did one at the, um, it was either the New York train station or the Philly train station or something like that. Um, it was just, it was, it was fun. It was, it was different. It was exciting. Right. It was, it was sometimes crazy. Um, yeah. So we, we did do a match with uh, the Godwins on that. And, you know, we just didn't understand where Vince was going with it. And he was like, well, my eventual vision was to tie the two together and everything else. But, Unfortunately, you know, he had way too much publicity that was bad about the, the gimmick and stuff like that. So that's why he eventually stopped it. Huh. Yeah, I remember I remember reading about that. I was like, wow, I'll have to ask him about yeah. this. It's pretty crazy. Yeah, they're still undefeated, so, too. The Flying Nuns are undefeated. <laughs> so, I mean, you guys should go in the Hall of Fame for that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Just that alone. Exactly, right? <laughs> oh, shit. So... Now they eventually, I think from what I, from what I read is that 
you guys were, you know, going really strong as a tag team. And then I believe you said you you, you got hurt. Was yes. it your knee? Yeah, it was my knee. We were doing a match with um, D'Lo and Mark Henry at the time. And um, I was ducking one of Mark's clotheslines, and his big giant forearm hit me on right on the top of my head and knocked me out. And as I yeah. as I went down, I dislocated my knee joint. Um, finished the match because it was live on TV. I went in the back, and we had a doctor that used to do adjustments and stuff like that. He was the like the the healer that he would do that kind of type of healing where he would do adjustments and stuff like that. And it was I don't know what he actually called it, but he popped the knee back in, and it felt all right. You know, so I was able to keep wrestling on it. And then it, it was the very last show, I believe, in Madison Square Garden where I heard – where it was one place, I heard my knee pop. It sounded like a shotgun. It was my ACL. So I was Damn. out for about nine months. And then eventually at that point, while you were rehabbing your knee, that they split you guys up. And then, you know, Chaz, you know, also knows Mosh, yeah. had the gimmick. Yes. Beaver the or Cleaver the Beaver, right? Beaver Cleavage. Beaver Cleavage. Yes. And uh, so when that happened and you rehabbed your knee and you came back, did they have any ambition of getting you guys back together? Or... So what was going to happen is um, he was going to go that way. I was going to come back as – it's so funny. Um, I was going to be paired up with Bruce Pritchard. And I was going to come back as uh, Doink the Clown. Um, huh. I was slated to come back as the evil clown Doink. And I don't know if you remember all the way back then, but Bruce used to run out to the ring during the hardcore matches and grab an item and run to the back. Huh. So, no, I don't remember. Yeah, that. he was doing that. It was setting up. He was supposed to be like that guy, that wham, that wham chow guy or wham pal guy that, you know, <laughs> Sham Wow. That's what it was. The yeah, Sham Wow guy. He, he was dyeing his hair black. And that's what he was going to do. He was going to be like, yeah, today I got this half-used chair, slightly dented. And then, you know, it was going to be that. And he was going to manage me. And then it was supposed to all roll up. And I was going to be using the items that he was stealing in the matches. Um, but that got squashed for some reason. And then they said, ah, oh, we'll just put them back together. Huh. Yeah, and then, I mean, eventually at WrestleMania 2000, you won another title. The Hardcore, the hardcore Championship. 33 seconds. You held it for 37 seconds. That's it. That's <laughs> it. <laughs> it still Do you goes down. Who beat you for it? Uh, Pete Gass. Yep, that's, hit, what I, that's what I looked into and hit, I saw that. I actually just watched that WrestleMania. He hit, me a, he hit me with a, uh, a fire extinguisher. And I'll tell you what, yep. it was the god-awfulest thing ever because that fire extinguisher, when you spray it, it sucks all the oxygen out of the air. So I couldn't fucking breathe. <laughs> oh, my God. I always wondered that. Yes. I, I never knew it until I got hit with it. <laughs> because at one stint, I was working at a place called Sintas. I'm not yeah, sure if you, I know, if you know. So I, uh, I was putting fire extinguishers together. And the one time the one fire extinguisher kind of exploded, but it's because the sealant wasn't on all the way. 
And you're right, man. Yeah. Holy shit, I couldn't breathe. It was all over the room. Yeah, it sucks the air right out of them. Or it sucks the oxygen yep. right out. Yeah, so I can <laughs> small, uh, smother the fire. Huh. So, going forward at the timeline of everything all, uh, else, 2016 rolls back around. And <laughs> I see Thrasher and Mosh on SmackDown, and I'm losing my shit. I'm losing my shit, and I'm like, okay, this is awesome. These guys are back, and then you face Heath Slater and Rhino in a tag team championship match. So, how did that all come? It about? was so weird because um, Chaz got a phone call from Road Dog, who you know we still talk to from time to time, still say hi to, um, and everything else. And he said to Chaz, he goes, "Hey, are you boys busy next Tuesday?" And of course, Chaz is like, "Yeah, no, why?" He's like, yeah, because, you know, we want you to come in. We want to do this and that. And Chaz actually thought it was a joke. He's like, yeah, okay, sure. Right. All right. Uh-huh. See you then. Bye. So <laughs> we thought it was, you know, a rib and a joke and stuff like that. And um, so then he called us back, and it was supposed to be in Connecticut. And for some reason, it was at a casino or a casino arena or on casino. It was something weird where the, the people yeah. that were at the show or that were performing at the show had to be under a WWE contract. Um, so they pushed it. They were going to say, hey, well, we're going to see if we can push it back a week and blah, blah, blah. This is the idea. This is when they were coming out with the SmackDown Tag Team Champs, the, the first one. And they were given mm-hmm. – Daniel Bryan was given Heath Slater, you know, shit about, hey – you either have to find a partner or we're going to, you know, I, I bl- believe it was let you go or whatever. So, um, you know, we're sitting there and I'm going, this is unbelievable. I haven't heard from them in 10 years um, about anything. Um, our name mentioned nothing. And uh, all of a sudden they call us out of the blue. So we're getting all excited and everything else. So then they had to push it back a week. Um and it was all okay through Vince and everything else. He knew we were coming back. And um, I was so, so excited because I just got myself into the best shape of my life. Um, it was it was like a full circle for me because I, I didn't want to leave the business the way I left, um, you know, blowing up and, and not having, you know, me and Chattis together and stuff like that. So it was kind of like for me, like right. a full circle kind of thing, like, you know, WWE and, and, and WWF is the only federation I've ever worked for. I've never worked for WCW. I've never worked. We, we did one match for ECW. We never worked for, you know, AWE or, or, or any, but any big federation is, it's always been the WWF that I've ever worked for and Chaz. So it was, you know, we were coming back home. We, I was coming back to where it all started. So um, once we finally got there and everything else, it was surreal. It was just so surreal. We're, we're walking in the back and we're like, yeah, none of these kids are going to know who the hell we are. So we <laughs> walk into the lunchroom and, you know, we're looking around and looking around and lo and behold, we spot, you know, John Cena's all the way in the back corner and everything else. He gets up, we see him get up, he puts his food down, he comes Makes a beeline right for us. We're going, oh, shit. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. What the hell is going on? He comes over. He goes, guys, welcome back. 
I'm so glad you guys are here. I was a huge fan of you guys. I'm so glad that you guys are back. And we were just like, oh, shoot. <laughs> shoot. Thank God. Because <laughs> we worked with John when he first started. He was called the Prototype. And he was wrestling, I believe, yeah. out in California at the time. Um, we worked a couple shows with him. And I didn't know if, you know, he ever remembered us or, or what. But, you know, he came over and he made us feel very welcome. And then the Usos came over and, you know, everybody came came back. We saw some of the same people that were still there from when we were there. And it, it was really nice. Um, we didn't get a chance to see Vince right then and there. But we saw him, like, after the match in, in the grill position and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, of mm -hmm. course, you know, the unfortunately incident happened where he's bit his tongue on the flapjack. So he was bleeding. And then um, Rhino got caught an elbow from Chaz, and then he was bleeding. So we're going, great. The two guys are going to make the, the first ever SmackDown Tag Team Chaz. We left laying bleeding in the middle of the ring. They're never going to call us back again. <laughs> but there you go. Back, we got a call two months later saying, hey, they wanted us to come back. And we did two or three more shows with them. And it was it was really nice. It was great. Um, we enjoyed it. We would love um, to go back and do probably a little bit more, like help more talent and stuff like that. Maybe even do something up at the the performance center. Cause you know, we both live we oh both God, live right yeah. here in Florida. Uh Chaz lives ten minutes from yeah. me and we're two hours from Orlando. So um you know, it was nice. It, it, we enjoyed it. We didn't, you know, we thought we were, there might, might've been something that could have came about from it, but uh, I, I just, I don't know. I don't know if the writers didn't have anything for us or, or what it was going to be. I mean, we did vignettes while we were there. We did interviews and we did everything um, for the matches. Well, I was, I was fucking pumped when I saw you guys come back. Cause you guys actually came to my area um, Wolfsburg, yes. Pennsylvania. About that's like 15 minutes from my house. So I was I was pumped because I could actually see you guys live and not at my house when I was like 10, 11. Right. Years old. So that was very surreal for me. So I can't thank you enough for you guys answering that phone call and coming back because it was awesome, especially hearing your guys' theme. I just, you know, just being a big fan, I was really. It was so weird that. because that was I think that was the second time we came back because it was. We did one in New Jersey. We did Wilkes-Barre. And the first one we came back was Texas, um, Dallas. And it was so yeah. weird because every all the fans, they were so fixated on, oh, my God, they didn't use your original music. Frankly, and it was so funny when everybody said that, I was like, I, they didn't? I didn't even realize it. I had no idea that what music was playing it or anything the same else. Premise. Yeah, I mean, it had the same premise. It's not from, like, what they heard back in 98, right. 99, but still. But, uh, oh, man, just seeing the games. I, I, next question I want to ask you isn't wrestling-related, but it's based off of the T-shirts that you've worn over okay. the years. Who's your favorite metal band? Uh, my favorite – it would be a toss. I'm very old school. I, you know, I love listening to, like, classic, you know – Black Sabbath and, and Ozzy Osbourne and, you know, um, even Manson still, you know, I'll listen to Manson stuff. Mm -hmm. So it, it's, it's pretty much of a toss up. Those t-shirts that we used to wear, these bands used to send them to us and we would wear really? them. Yeah. 
Yep. No shit. Yeah. That's crazy. So Manson was sending you guys a lot of shirts. Um, now the Manson ones we actually bought. The funny story about Manson is is Vince wanted him because uh, we used to wear his shirts all the time on TV. Wanted him to do our uh, ring music. And you know, huh. almost like what what Kid Rock did with Taker and stuff like that, and and everything else. Right. But from the story I got, I got that Manson wanted an obscene amount of money. So, of yep. Well, back then he was the hottest ticket going. I mean, he was, you know, why did all these kids go to these these concerts and everything else? Because he was he was it. He was he was happening. He was different. He was doing crazy yeah. shit too. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, that makes yep. sense though. So, Sabbath and Ozzy. So, That's not, I I, uh, I love yeah. Ozzy. I I mean like even I used to watch his show when it was on TV. I was a huge Ozzy Osbourne fan and it was just you, you know, it was just so, you know, he would sit there and babble and he was like, "What? <laughs> what did you just say?" <laughs> so, yeah. You ever go to any of these Oz? I, I, I never well? ever did. I never had the chance. It was it was weird because back in the day when MTV used to show music, every Saturday night they would show a concert and they would have like a, a live concert on or something like that. I remember back in the day, you know, God, I'm talking about like when I was 13 or 14 years old, watching like like Billy Squire and ACDC and Ozzy Osbourne and you know. Uh, cheap trick and all these, you know, people on MTV having concerts and stuff like that. When MTV first came out, when uh, it killed radio, <laughs> yeah. video killed radio star. So, yeah. Damn. But no, I, I was never a big concert goer, um, ever. Um, I think I've been to maybe one or two concerts in my life. So yeah, it was never a big big one like that. Jazz used to go, he used to be heavy into mosh pitting and stuff like that. To be honest with you, I never if somebody hit me like that in a mosh pit, I'd fucking kill somebody. I'd end up fucking bloodying somebody up pretty bad. And then be in jail and stuff like that. Jazz just used to think it was great. So <laughs> he's um yeah, I I was always afraid that I'd, I'd really end up hurting somebody. Yeah, and a lot of those guys, like I've been to a, a Slayer show recently on their welfare tour and or their far, farewell tour, and they, uh, there's just a bunch of assholes there, man. And it was just like we're just trying to enjoy the music. It's like they're know, almost looking for it. it, like they're like they're like they're exactly. jabbing a, a you know a hot iron at you and going, hey, come on, come on, come on, I dare you, I dare you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and it's it's those twenty dollar beers that they're chugging too. So I mean. That's right, and God knows what they're chugging before that. Yeah, right, exactly, (laughs) exactly. Holy shit! So, uh, a couple other questions before I wrap this up here. Which, once again, man, I I really appreciate you doing this. No, no problem. Uh, It's it's probably a question you've probably been asked a lot as well. But I just want to know: was there any good like? Road stories or any jokes that you played so on anyone at all? That was, it, you know, it's so funny. I got a couple. Um, the one joke that we used to do because we all used to stay in the same hotel. Like when we would go in and do TVs, we would all try to stay in the same hotels together. 
So what what my big prank was, and I always used to pull, me and Chaz used to pull on everybody because we always stayed together, is we would always take the bath or the trash can in uh, the hotel room. You'd fill it up halfway with water and you go to somebody else's door. You lean that trash can up against the door and then knock on the door and walk away. So that <laughs> door opens into the room. So what happens with that trash can? You get a half, you get like a gallon of water all over your feet because nine times out of 10, no, you're good. You're not going to walk around the hotel in bare feet because that's disgusting. Um, I feel so right. you're going to have your socks on. We, we had to do it probably for a month straight, four weeks in a row to Ken Shamrock. And, <laughs> and we kept doing it. Now, the world's dangerous man we were fucking with. We were poking him with the hot prodder, with the hot stick, <laughs> until he came after us in the hallway. <laughs> and then... Was he uh, laughing oh, yeah. at least? Yeah, because... And he knew... you know, Why wouldn't you look through the peephole, Kenny? Come on, you see nobody's there. Why would you open the door? <laughs> and it was... We always picked the guys that used to get like room service because they didn't want to go downstairs. They didn't want to be bothered. So... Initially, they thought it was probably room service, so it right. was, it was funny. And then the you know, I'll have to say Davy Boy and Owen. They were the two that used to pull the most pranks on us. Owen did our first TV right. that we ever did. Owen took um, he would take padlocks and lock people's bags to trash cans or or uh, chairs or or anything like that. So at our first TV, he took our bags and he locked them together. So we paid no mind to oh, it or anything else. And he'd be the one walking around with the stink bombs. And, you know, you'd be sitting there talking to JR. He'd drop a stink bomb behind you and look at you and go, damn, dude, what did you eat? And it just, you know, things to embarrass you in front of the higher ups and stuff like that. But um, the whole padlock with the bag, we never gave it any fuel. We didn't, we didn't burn it. We were like, all right, Owen, thanks. We're going to the same place. So, you know, after that, you know, he tried to do it that one time and nothing ever after that. Um, when Mark Henry broke his leg, when he first started training, um, we were all in the back and we told him Vince wanted him down at ringside. But right before that, Owen stole his crutches. So now you got to imagine no, Mark Henry, big giant Mark Henry, the world's strongest man, hopping all the way down, you know, 100 yards, hopping on one foot. Halfway down to the ring, and then Owen going, "Oh, that's right, Mark. Never mind." You know, just it was. There was a lot of harmless pranks that went on and stuff like that, and it it was it was fun. I mean, it was just a good time. It seems, and like I said, like you said before, it's just it's a big family there. So I mean, you gotta you gotta love each other. Uh, yeah, it, it was. Oh my yeah, god! Yeah, that was our, our our big thing was the that's... hotel trash can. You know, everybody would everybody oh, would, would would eventually get it in, until Kenny started chasing us. So <laughs> we kinda we kinda stopped. So, so it's like you guys fucked with not only the world's uh dangerous man, but then the, the world's yeah, strongest we, man. It as was well. funny because it's, it's that, so that, the, the the prank with uh Mark is everybody was in on it. Everybody that was standing around, there was two guys that were distracting them that were talking to him, and there was you know, Owen and Davey boy, each taking a, a crutch and, you know, tiptoeing away. And then there was somebody else going, hey, Vince needs you down by, 
you know, it was a, it was a group effort. <laughs> it really was. <laughs> so it was, it was fun. <laughs> Holy shit. So besides Chaz Mosh, uh, being like your best friend, your, you know, your, your go-to guy in the back, who would you say would be your biggest confidant in, in the locker room that if, you know, Mosh wasn't there that you'd go to them and maybe talk to him about like a match or anything that you, you know, had any questions. It was funny because um, when we, when we first got there is, is Sean used to help us a lot with tag team stuff. And so did Brett. Brett used to come up and, and, and Owen and stuff like that. And they used to, you know, we used to ask them different questions and stuff like that. And they, they, all, they were always very receptive to that and, and, and anything else. But if if I would have to say if they weren't there, I would we would I would probably go to Billy. I've known Billy for almost thirty years. Um, I was I was there when Billy and Bart had their their tryout with Vince as the Smoking Guns. Um, so yeah, okay. I've known Billy for forever. And uh, yeah, I would you know if if Sean wasn't there or Brad or Owen, it would definitely you know probably still to this day we talk to Billy a lot. So. That's awesome, and I remember him being uh, very, very in with NXT yeah. as well. And now he's not there anymore. Now he's with yeah. AEW. So I'd love to see you guys on AEW. I think because they're so tactical. oriented. Yeah, I never there. say any. I, I never say never about any of this because right. you just don't know. Hmm. Absolutely. Well, hey, man, we're getting towards the end of the show here, and I just wanted to ask you if you have anything that you want to promote, any type of, you know, cons, even though everything the right o- now is pretty much... The only thing show. I'm promoting now is for everybody to stay the fuck at home. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> for the love of God. No one's doing it, home. man. Let this thing get out of here so I can go to Disney. Fuck! <laughs> right. <laughs> I have a vacation planned June 12th. For my for my fifty first birthday, and I'm taking the family really? to Orlando for eight nine days for uh, or or uh, Universal and Disney and Volcano Bay. I want to go. Shit. Because I'm a big Simpsons fan yeah, too, too, and their Simpsons place there is so awesome. Yeah, I we we used to be annual pass holders that were getting them back. But I don't want to do it until after this is all over. So I'm excited about it. So everybody just stay at home. If they want to follow me on Twitter, it's GR Thrasher. Um, I do follow everybody back. I try. Um, So follow me. I'll follow you back. All right. Well, you heard it, guys. Fucking follow the man. But don't follow him like walk behind him and shit because that's just weird. Yeah, because I'm going to fart on you. (laughs) Stay (laughs) Well, hey, man, thank you so much. I'm happy we actually were able to get this done here today. And uh, I hope, crossing my fingers and washing my hands as well, that you could actually go to Universal and enjoy your 51st. That's right. Happy almost birthday. Wash your hands. Thank you. Thank you. Wash your hands. Stay at home. All right. We're all alone together. (laughs) (laughs) All right, man. Have a good one. Don't let your meatloaf. (laughs) All right. Take care, buddy. (laughs) Later.